Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. I'm excited because we're in a great series on life, death, resurrection, and eternal life. Vitally important series. We're learning so much that will expose the deceptions of the evil one and bring us hope and joy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So welcome. We're glad you're with us for Hope Sabbath School today. And welcome to our team. Good to be together again. Nice to see some new faces on our team. We're always happy to study the Word of God together. Another reason I'm excited is because one of our team, Nisha, is going to be teaching today. And that's going to be a great study as we talk about the Old Testament hope of eternal life with God. We're going to get to the New Testament too. Throughout Scripture, hope of eternal life with God. We've also got some remote team members joining us. Happy to see them. Sabina, good to see you again from British Columbia. Glad you're with us. Addison, good to see you from grad school there in Texas. Glad you're here. And Glennie joining us from California. Glennie, always good to have you as part of our team. And we're glad that you're with us. You know, we've got Hope Sabbath School members in 200 countries around the world. And I just heard they're translating our outlines into Hindi and Amharic and Russian. And I just get so excited because we want to multiply these in-depth interactive Bible studies around the world. And we also love to hear from you how you're being blessed by a study of the Word, the Holy Spirit guiding you. Write to us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. SSHope at HopeTV.org sshope at hopetv.org. And have you downloaded the free gift yet? Powerful little biography on the life of Jesus called The Story of Jesus, which focuses particularly on his life, death, resurrection, and the gift of eternal life for each one of us. It's a free digital download. Just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. You know it by now. And in the middle of the screen, free gift. Click that button and it will tell you how you can get your copy of the story of Jesus. You can share that with your family and friends, and I know they'll be blessed. Well, here's a note from uh, Jose in Angola, in Africa. That's not too far from your homeland, Lalika, right? Mm -hmm. Angola. And uh, that's Portuguese speaking too, right? Mm -hmm. I live in Angola, Africa. I've been watching Hope Sabbath School all day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a blessing. This program has inspired me to be stronger in reading my Bible. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> That's what Hope Sabbath School is all about. May God bless you all. Keep doing this great work around the world. Well, Jose, thanks for writing to us from the country of Angola. Ntombi writes to us from South Africa. Sandili, that's your home. Would you want to give a... I, I don't know if I said Ntombi right, but that's the name, right? And Tombi from South Africa says, Hope Sabbath School has been a blessing to me and my family. It has kept us sane during these difficult times. Wow. I can't imagine the joy we will experience in heaven, singing in the presence of God. Amen. We'll sing together, Tombi. <laughs> Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Continue to be a blessing to the world. Well, Tombi, thanks for writing to us from South Africa. We're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Here's a handwritten note from Virginia in the United States of America. And the donor writes and says, thank you, Hope Sabbath School. You've been a blessing to me during this lockdown. You made the Bible so relatable. Anyone can understand the word clearly. 
Keep up the good work. You are a blessing to the world. Be blessed. Keep up God's work, sharing the gospel, and a gift of $150 to bless Amen. this ministry. I just want to say thank you. You know who you are because I read your note from <laughs> Virginia. And uh, thanks for being part of this donor-supported ministry. We're seeing God change lives around the world, and you can be part of that impact movement. And at this time of the year especially, you're thinking, can I help make a difference? The answer is yes. Go to hopetv.org slash hopess, click on that little ye yellow donate button, and we'll all jump up and down because ah. we're working together to see this gospel message go to the whole world. Thank you for your support. One last note from Jubal in Zambia. Did I say we have a lot of people watching in Zambia? There are as many Hope Sabbath School members in Zambia as in the entire of North America. Wow. And there's only 15 million people in Zambia. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. I think God's stirring by His Spirit, preparing people for the coming of Jesus. Amen. This is Jubal from Zambia. I've been watching Hope Sabbath School for 10 years now, and I can testify to you that it has helped me a lot in studying the Word of God with my family and understanding the Bible. May God continue blessing your ministry. Amen. Amen. Well, someday we're all going to be able to meet in person mm -hmm. and sing around the throne of God and praise God for His salvation. Amen. Right now I need your help, though, to sing our theme song. It's taken from Revelation 1, 17 and 18 and verse 8. Oh, Jesus has the keys of Hades and of death. He is the resurrection and the life. Let's sing our theme song together right now. Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty, the Almighty.
am so thankful that Jesus has the keys, aren't you? And today, as Nisha leads us in a study of the Old Testament hope of eternal life through God, I know he's going to bless us. All right, everyone, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, um, you have promised that when we ask you for wisdom, you will give it to us. You have promised that when we ask you for the Holy Spirit, you will give it to us. Not only for wisdom, but for anyone who is seeking and searching, you have promised the Holy Spirit to lead them into all truth. Father, there are eternal questions that are at stake in this series that we are doing right now. And I know that there are people who are watching us who have questions deep in their heart. And I pray that for every person watching, that the questions that they are seeking after, that you will help them answer. And I pray for wisdom in this group today that the words that we share the things that you bring to our mind will help answer those questions mm -hmm. i pray that we enjoy reading the bible and looking into what you have to share with us from old testament to new testament this i ask in jesus name amen amen, amen. amen. now everyone i for those of you who don't know when i was in undergrad i actually studied philosophy as part of my major and the asking of questions in life is something whether you're christian or not christian you will ask and in my head, there are a couple of questions that nearly everyone asks in life. And you might be able to guess what some of these questions are. I can start you off with a couple. Let's see if you can get the third one. The first one I think of that people ask is, where did I come from? Right? The second one is, what am I doing here? And the third one is, where am I going? Right? What happens afterward? And so that is part of what we're going to be looking at today. This idea of eternal life. What happens after... Um, death, when, when Christ finally comes. Um, and so we're going to be taking a look at those questions. Now, a lot of times people just point to the answers to these questions being located in the New Testament. But what we're going to do today is show that Christ had these um, thoughts and these answers for people from the beginning of time. The idea of eternal life was there from Old Testament and New Testament. And one of the stories, I don't know if you remember, um, in the New Testament, after Christ was resurrected, he, ha he found a couple of his disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And in that time, they were, they, they of course, at that time did not believe in the resurrection of Christ, um, though they'd, uh, he had preached this to them. Um, and when he was trying to explain to them what had happened to him, where did he start? In the Old Testament. In the Old Testament. From Moses through the prophets. And that's how he came to give them an understanding of who he was. And we are going to do the same thing. We're going to work our way from the Old Testament to the New Testament to see um, what it is about eternal life that Christ has promised us. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, as we look through the lesson today, we're going to look at several characters in the Old Testament. We'll look at Job. Um, we'll look at what Daniel and Isaiah are saying. And we'll also look at what the psalmists are saying. And then we're going to move to the New Testament and we're going to take a look at the resurrections because there's not just one. How many resurrections are there? Jesus said there are two. And so we're going to look at both resurrections. Um, so let's start in the book of Job. And Zandile, if you could please read for us Job 1.1 and Job 1.8, what we're going to do is take a look at this character of Job, which many of you have heard of. Um, and the book of Job, as we know, um, uh, we believe it was written by Moses. Um, but we're going to take a look at the character of Job and what God says about Job, what Moses said about Job. Uh, from the New King James Version, it reads, There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one who feared and eschewed evil. Uh, verse 8 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a perfect and upright man, one who feareth God and eschewed evil? 
Thank you very much. Now, this is God describing a human being. <laughs> yeah. As God is describing this human being, as Moses starts off in the very first words, um, in the very first uh, verse, describing the character of Job, how does he, what, is, what do you see there? I see the words. What are you getting out of this description of the character of Job? Jackson? God was so proud of Job. Um, he, he, he was not, he, he, he didn't have a second thought to introduce him as a perfect man because he lived such a life very close to God mm -hmm. and followed all his commandments that God was so happy to introduce to all of us, to the world, even now, in, even in the future, that he was a righteous man. Amen. And we're going to, and, a righteous man. And I'm going to come back to that word on, um, that you use perfect. Um, and uh, I see a few hands, Addison. So with this, and just to add on to what's already been stated, uh, Job, it says that he eschewed evil. Another word for eschewed is avoided. He avoided evil. So he wasn't a, he was a person of integrity and uprightness, but he, he didn't just do evil. He actually avoided the appearance of evil altogether. So even if something was wishy-washy or, or, or uh, could I use the word fishy in form, um, Job was uh, determined to glorify God and avoid those uh, those pitfalls or what may look like a pitfall. Great. Thank you very much. And and this is, you know, when the, the Bible uses the word blameless, and some of you have that in your translation of the uh, of Job, and he uses it with, the, uh, with a couple of other characters in the Bible. We hear about Abraham, we hear about Noah, this word being used blameless. And it's not talking about someone who is necessarily perfect because we know at least with Abraham and Noah mm -hmm. that they have their faults <laughs> yeah. right so that is not the context in which it's being used but what you shared today that idea of him avoiding evil and mm -hmm. striving toward righteousness that yeah. is what we we're talking about That's you know fair. it's one thing for Moses to say you know Nisha is just a daughter after my own heart another thing for God to say that exactly. mm -hmm. so to me just a tremendous affirmation of someone, I like what you said, who was perfectly surrendered mm -hmm. yes. to God. Yes. And so this perfect man, so then um, the story goes on. And I'd like us to just talk a little bit about the story of Job, because what we're going to see is that his life actually comes under heavy attack. Yeah. Um, and, um, and Travis, I'm going to come to you in just a moment uh, to share with us what these attacks were that happened to Job. But there's, there's um, uh, God actually allows these attacks to happen um, because Satan looks at the life of Job and he's like, you know, because God actually points to points to Job's life and he says, look at my servant Job, mm -hmm. right? He's pointing and, and Satan's response is, yeah, the reason that Job is happy and praising you is because his life is good and perfect. Mm -hmm. And so God allows, um, God allows Satan to uh, have his hand on Job's life. Um, and Travis, what happens as a result of this? It might be easy to say what didn't happen, oh, that's <laughs> because it was it was really a brutal attack. Um, it was his children. Um, it was his servants. It was his animals. It was dwellings. It was just one thing after another till he basically had. No, I think he had four servants left. Yes. And and his wife. Th that's what's left. And yes. he was a rich man. Yes. He had lots of possessions, but I don't think the possessions hurt him nearly as much as his children. And then 
and then after that boils. Yes. You know, sores he on, on top of his head and all over his body to the yes. soles of his feet. And yes. so I mean it it was as brutal of attack as any person can withstand. Yeah. And and not and he fell and thank you Travis. Right? This is not a man who had understood sorrow in this way. And now from having everything he went to having nearly nothing, including his health taken away from him. But there is a reason God describes Job the way that he does, and we are about to take a look as to why. And so we have a few verses here to read in the book of Job. And so um, could I please have, Lilika, could you please read for us Job 1, verse 21? And then after that, Jason, if you could please read for us Job 13, 15. Um, uh, and then Sabina, if you could read first Job 19, verse 25 through 26. Um, we are going to take a look at what Job's response is to all the attacks that Satan has on his life. And so let us start Job 1.21. I'm reading from the New King James Version, uh, Job 1.21. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Malika, can you read that last part for us again? <laughs> blessed. And right before that, that part, right before you say blessed. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And blessed, blessed be the name wow. of the Lord. Amen. Um, and let's keep on hearing some words of Job. So Job 13, 15. All right, Job 13, 15. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the Bible says, though he slay me, Yet I will trust him. him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jason. And Sabina, if you could read for us. Yes, uh, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Job 19, verses 55 and 50, uh, 25 and 26. And it says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see wow. God. Amen. <laughs> Friends, what is so powerful about what Job does? What is his response as Satan is attacking him? And Satan doesn't know. He's like, you know, Job doesn't know. Satan's sitting right there watching all of this and hearing the responses. What, what do you think of this, Jason? Job is saying it doesn't matter what my current circumstantial uh, situation is, whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, I'm looking at a greater purpose. I know my Redeemer lives. I know I'll stand the last day. I'm not living for this life. There's something greater coming. Amen. Mm. Pastor mm. So he has no Bible, right? I mean, this is before the time of the Pentateuch. And so all he has is the passing down through the line of Adam and Seth, right, to Noah and on down. The, 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 um, the oral mm. messages about God yes. and, and, and he's holding on to those. I don't think he understands everything because I, I don't know that the Lord took away. The Lord gave and the enemy took away. Yeah. But he's, even though he doesn't understand all of that, he's just holding on to God. And it's just a beautiful picture. Yes. Um, and thank you, Pastor Derek. And Sabina, we'll take your response and then we're going to uh, apply this to today. Yes, I think it's just so beautiful that this is an evidence that Job, his righteousness, right, and his shunning of the evil is just a result, certainly, of his relationship with God. 
because he, as we have discussed in a previous study, he surely knew the heart of God. Mm. And he knew that whatever is it that was coming towards him, even if not knowing exactly like the source and seeing things that are unseen, he knew for sure that God was the one that is good in the story and that God not, would never want his um, evil to come upon him. And he knows that. Thank you very much for sharing that. Because And this idea of that Job actually knew God beforehand mm. was key to what he was able to respond with when things actually happened to him. Mm. Now, friends, I know you must all know someone, including possibly yourselves, who have gone through extremely challenging circumstances in life. Mm. And I know at least three friends of mine um, who have left God as a result of this. Yeah. Mm. So now my question to you mm. is, how, when you are faced with challenging circumstances like what Job did, yeah. what had, how do you avoid losing hope in those circumstances? Wow. Um, Travis, and then we'll come to Addison. Well, first, you cannot trust somebody. I mean, there's no way if you just first met somebody that you're going to trust somebody to this degree. And I would like to read um, in Job, because uh, I believe the answer is in Job, uh, from 23, uh, chapter 23, 11 and 12. Can I read that? Yes, please. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my ne necessary food. And I just wanted to point out that verse 11 is analogous to a walk. He's walking step by step with God. And then you just mentioned Moses and Noah and we know of Enoch. And they walked with God and they walked with God. Job is walking with God day by day, meditating on his word and has learned to trust him. Rain or shine, come, you know, trouble or, or sorrow or, or, or blessings. He completely trusts God. Walking with God, the power mm. of it before the attack comes. Wow. Yeah. Um, Addison and then Glennie. Well, Nisha, um, I can't relate to Job's experience completely, but there are certain areas, certain dimensions of this experience that I, I, I can relate to. Um, I think of uh, my family and some of the, uh, the trauma that I went through with that. We had a, a difficult situation with my family when I was 16 years old. And I was at boarding academy and I came home for Thanksgiving and uh, we got the news. And that was a really, really hard time. I can honestly say that I had so many doubts and questions. Uh, I was questioning whether God would bless my life now that my family was falling apart. And uh, there was a lot of emotions that I had to work through. But coming back to what Travis said, I... I just praise God that he continued to, to, I just wanted to be closer to him. I, I didn't want to be separated from him in any way. And so I was just driven to the Bible and uh, I, you know, I still got things to work through, but uh, I'm just always reminded that I can go to Christ as I am and that he loves me and that his promises are sure I can claim them. And then by his grace, I can live them out. Amen. And we can hear the emotion in Addison's voice. And friends, is it okay in hard times, as Addison did, to have questions about the things that you're going through? Sure. Yeah. It is okay. <laughs> Glennie, please go ahead. 
So yeah, we we hear about the importance of trusting God, and sure, it's it's often hard when we don't see the end of it all, and those are moments when we say, "Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief." But the question I have is, can God trust me to go through the situation to only come out stronger? Uh, we see what Job had gone through. It wasn't just physical losses and calamities, which was hard in and of itself, but the emotional damage with his wife telling him, curse God and die, die. with his friends coming and telling it's your fault. That, uh, that is even more painful. But with all of that, can God trust me to go through all of this and still hold on to him and say that, God, you're still so good? Lenny, that's a that's a powerful question. Um, And we know from previous lessons that we have talked about God loving us so much that he has given us the power of choice. And with that power of choice, he will allow you to go through these things because ultimately it's going to strengthen your character. And I'm clinging, Nisha, because I know God loves us passionately. Right. Mm In, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, God will not allow us to be tested more than we're able. So God is not discarding Job. You know, his hand is over Job. And I want to trust that too for my life, that, that God is not going to test me more than I can stand. The scripture says, but will with the test provide a way of escape. And I believe that way of escape Amen. is running to Jesus. Amen. But uh, so... What what a an honor, as challenging as that was, what an honor before the universe yes. that God trusted Job, yes. knowing wow. that he would he wasn't going to yes. crush him, yes. but that he would yes. say, I've got the hope of eternal life through faith in God. Yep. And 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 the and the you know, the being that it crushed was Satan, of course, in that moment to watch right. um, him do everything in his power to attack this man and this man clinging even closer to God. Amen. Um, what a testimony. Um, and, and Job, and, and one of the verses that was read, um, which says, after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God. So we hear this idea of there's eternal life. He knows right. that something is coming, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so now we turn to the Psalms and um, continue exploring this idea of eternal life. So let's turn to um, Psalm 23, 6. And Laurel, could we have you read that for us? I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Psalms 23, 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you very much. And so where do you see, where in that verse did, that Laurel just read, do you see that idea of eternal life coming? Where, where, what, in what part of that verse did you hear it? Forever. Dwell in the house I of the Lord. I will dwell forever. in the house of the Lord forever. Thank forever. you. Um, uh, and so let's keep exploring. So um, let's turn to Psalm 49 now, and we're going to read verses 6 through 12. Um, and Megan, if we can have you read that. And this psalm is written by the sons of Korah, um, who were Levites. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, when we hear the word Levites, we usually think of the high priests. Now, not all Levites became high priests. The, Le- the high priests certainly were Levites, but there were also Levites who also were musicians. Um, and the sons of Korah were among them. And so let's hear this psalm that they wrote. Okay. So Psalm 49, verses 6, six through 12. Yes, okay. thank you. This is the NIV version. It says, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches, no one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. 
so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. And in, the, in these verses that Megan reads, who escapes death? No one. Nobody. Not the rich? No. One. No. no. No, not the poor? Mm-mm. Nobody is. Who? The, what about the wise? Do they escape death? No. no. Nobody escapes death. Right. But let us look at where um, we are to place our trust. Let's take a look at Psalm 49, verse 15. Um, and um, Jason, if you could read that for us. The New King James Version says in Psalm chapter 49, verse 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Mm-hmm. Amen. Who is our Redeemer? God. God. God is our Redeemer. And so in this, you see in, in these verses that we've seen so far, you see this idea um, of hope in a personal personal resurrection, right? Um, it, and so that comes out to us very clearly. Now, um, let's also take a look uh, at, uh, in the New Testament, we're going to turn to John 6, verse 40. Um, as to when this redemption of the souls is going to occur uh, from the grave. And let us um, have, Jackson, if you would read that for us, uh, John 6, verse 40. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, John 6, 40. For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Mm. (laughs) Okay, so... When is God going to redeem souls um, from the from the power of the grave? The last, last day. day. The last day. What is that last day? What are we talking about? Second coming. The second coming. Megan, say it louder. When? The second, second coming. coming. <laughs> what do we mean by the second coming? What what is what is so special about what about that phrase for someone who's never heard that before? It's when Jesus comes back to earth to take his people back there to heaven to live with him. Yes, right? And that's what they're pointing, in the Psalms, in the Psalms, they're pointing forward to the last day, right? Mm-hmm. They know that there is hope and something to be looking forward to. Now, there's also um, this idea of eternal life and this word of hope that is explored in um, the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. And so we're going to turn and, and look and see what Isaiah says. Um, and so if we can take a look um, at Isaiah 26, verses 1 through 4 and Mm. verse 19. Uh, Travis, if you could read this for us, Isaiah 26, verses 1 through 4 and verse 19. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that righteous that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord, for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. And verse 19. Yes. Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Okay. 
So we move from the previous uh, sections in Job talking about this personal resurrection that he is certain of. Um, we talk, we hear about the psalmists who are talking about this. And then in Isaiah 26, verse 1, we hear, we have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for the walls. Mm -hmm. And so now we're talking about salvation for everyone, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about whomever believes in the Lord. And who opens, like, what is it? So in, as we look at this, um, what are the walls? The walls here are, are what? Is, what is keeping people out? Is anything keeping anyone out? Does it say there? <laughs> yes, Pastor Derek? The, the, the walls are, are, I suppose, a protection, but it says open the gates. So yes. I, again, I want to say that God is trying to save yes. everyone. He wants everyone to come in and, and to, to go on to verse 19. He wants them all who sleep to participate in the resurrection of redemption. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, we have the strange idea that God's out to somehow trap us and, and cause us to be lost when actually he's trying to save us. Amen. Um, Jason, please. And sometimes there are walls, but they're walls that we have created, that we have put up. Uh, to keep us for salvation. And God says, no, I'm opening the gate. Come through. Don't let anything block you from salvation. Mm. All right. Thank you, Jason. Travis. Well, I think these walls could also be protection. And we need to get inside the walls. So the gates are open. So we're inside the walls. And uh, that's what I'm thinking that we're seeing here is he just wants us inside. That hedge of protection that was placed around Job is provided for each and every one of us. And in what frame of mind are we to be, when we think about eternal life, look at verse 3. Yeah. What frame of mind are we supposed to be in as we talk about eternal life and salvation from God? With perfect peace. Perfect peace. Jackson, why are we to be in perfect peace? we trust in God. We trust in God. And so there are some people, if I ask the question um, to you today, do you think you are going to be saved? Do you think you're going to be in heaven with Christ? Amen. Mm -hmm. What should the answer to this be Absolutely. for all of you? Yes. 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 Why? Because it's promised Trust. to us. Yes. Right? Yes. This is not something you should fear. There are people sitting in, even in churches today, who when they hear that question, there is fear. Mm. And there should not be because Christ mm -hmm. has promised, promised to us eternal life. Yeah. Travis. So I was just looking again when I was going through this lesson, I underlined something in verse 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And I thought, boy, what a beautiful mm. promise. If I keep my mind stayed on God, yep. I will have perfect peace. Well, who doesn't want that? Right. Mm. I mean, that's a promise from God. Yes, keep amen. Your mind stayed on God. Amen. And you will have perfect peace. And let's keep reading. Let's keep reading what, what God will do. In Isaiah 25, verses 8 through 9, um, let us have, Zandile, could you read for us Isaiah 25, verses 8 through 9? Okay, I'll be reading from the King James Version, uh, Isaiah 25, 8. He says, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all of faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all of the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Verse 9, And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord we have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen. Amen. 
one of the hardest things I think um, in this in this journey that we have on Earth, um, and you know, there are many words to describe it. Paul talks about it as being a race. Um, one of the big challenges that we have is this notion of waiting, mm -hmm. uh, because it is not easy as you are being attacked, as you are going through different things. This idea of waiting is really important because it is in the wait um, that Satan is going to do all of his attacking when you are uncertain, when things are coming through. But, yeah. but it is the people who wait um, who are able to claim that salvation because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't believe in one saved, always saved. Right? Our salvation is, is a daily thing. We ask God and God grants us salvation. But the devil is also there to make sure that um, we lose hope along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that is something we just need to be aware of. Now, um, the idea of eternal hope uh, and eternal life is actually realized in one and one, one, one only thing. And this is probably one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And we're going to have Jason read this for us. Um, and I want everyone to just turn to Isaiah 53. Um, because we, call it, we talk about eternal life, um, but uh, who is? We talk about it as if it were a thing. And I would actually venture to you that it's actually a person. Um, and, and let us listen um, as to what is eternal life. Jason, if you could read Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 12 for us. All right. The New King James Version says in Isaiah chapter 53, Verses 1 through 12, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days." and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession 
for the transgressors. Who is Isaiah talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus. What is the connection between eternal life and Jesus? What is the connection between eternal life and Jesus? Travis. I'm going to quote a verse. Mm -hmm. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ who you sent. Amen. And I'm going to quote another one. <laughs> my dad, my father's favorite verse, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Amen. So 700 years before the incarnation, a divine revelation is given to the prophet Isaiah about the suffering Messiah who yeah. will come and will provide eternal life as a gift yes. to all who have faith in Jesus. Exactly. Amen. Um, and, and we see this, and, and right, we talk about eternal life, but we have to recognize what it cost Christ. Mm. And, and Isaiah lays this out for us, mm. right? And Jason, yes. And it's interesting because it says eternal life, who's it for here? It's for the transgressors. It's for those of us who have engaged in transgression. That's mm. all of us who have done wrong, you and me. It doesn't say he's doing this for the perfect. He's doing this for the righteous. He's doing it for all of us who uh, have made unrighteous choices. But by his grace, we ask him to take our place. And, Amen. and as long, and we talk about in, in, in some of the previous verses, we were talking about how we have been waiting, right? Isaiah says, you know, we are waiting um, for uh, this hope, this salvation. Friends, how long has Christ been waiting for you? Mm. How long has he been waiting to be reunited with you? Mm. Right? And, and what it took and what it went through. And then for you to ask the question, am I going to be in heaven? Right, and he sits, sits there and you read everything that he went through in Isaiah 53. In order for you to just be able to claim that gift, mm -hmm. it is important for you to recognize that all you have to do is claim and cling onto Christ, mm -hmm. right? And that is it. Um, now, our work's important. We can go through a whole discussion on that. They will mm -hmm. be a manifestation of your belief in Christ, yeah. right? So I'm not saying those, that's not important, but to recognize um, that the gift is free and is for everyone who accepts and believes in Christ is Amen. extremely important. Amen. And maybe beyond, if I may, Nisha, Please. believing in Christ, having a relationship yes. with him. And, yes. and I love that where it says, he'll look and his soul will be satisfied. And that's mm. when we say yes to his salvation. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Bible says in John 15, there's rejoicing in heaven. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and the Savior is yes. one of the ones yes. rejoicing with yes. the angels, with the Father, with the Spirit of God, that, that this incredible gift mm. was not in vain for us, mm. that we accepted. Yes. Mm the blessed hope Amen. of his salvation. And yeah. even if there's one, and, and we're told this in the New Testament, even if there's one accepting that gift, Christ will have uh, thought his life, um, uh, giving up his life would have been worth it. Wow. Right? Um, and let's take a look at what Daniel says about eternal life. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 12, and let's look at verses 1 through 3. Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Um, and Glennie, can we have you read this for us? Uh, Daniel 12. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So I'll be reading from the New King James Version in Daniel 12, verses 1 to 3, and it says, At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, 
even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who was found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to eternal life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. <laughs> but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Amen. Thank you, Glenny. Um, so there are several things that are being discussed here, and we're going to break this apart just a, a, a bit using some other verses as well. Um, who is being delivered? God's people. God's, God's people, people, right? God's people are being delivered. Um, and there are, there's a book that's referenced here. What book are we referencing here? The Book of Life. Do we know? Book of Life. The Book of Life. Thank you, Jason. We're talking mm -hmm. about the Book of Life. And Jason, what is contained in the Book of Life? All those who believe in Jesus. The names of those who believe in Jesus. Um, and there's also, there's a, so there's a resurrection to life. Mm -hmm. There's also another resurrection that's spoken of, or there's, a, there's something else that happens, right? What else happens in this? It's not just for those who believe in God. Who else is referred to here? The wicked. The wicked. Now, there are two resurrections. Mm -hmm. In this verse, if we were to just look at this verse, mm -hmm. it seems as if they're happening at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. But that is not the case, as we're going to see soon, right? Mm -hmm. There are two resurrections, but they happen, they happen at independent times. Mm -hmm. Now, there's also, for some uh, who might be asking, you know, who is this Michael that's referenced there? Um, there are several references in Daniel. You can take a look at Daniel 8.11. We're talking about the Prince of Hosts. Daniel 8.25, the Prince of Princes. Daniel 9.25, um, Messiah the Prince. Um, we, we come to the conclusion that this Michael that is being referenced is in all likelihood Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're talking about Christ coming and being responsible, being in charge on that day of the resurrection mm -hmm. um, of both sets of people. Um, but as we take a look at this, let's actually move um, uh, because we, take, we see the prophecies in the Old Testament, but then Christ comes and he confirms these in the New Testament. Right. So let's take a look now and move to John 5, chapter 5 and let's look at verses 28 through 29. John 5 verses 28 through 29. Um, and can we have, um, uh, Lalika, could you read that for us? John chapter 5, verses 28 to 29. I'm reading from the New King James Version, John 5, verse 28. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Okay, so resurrection of life and resurrection of condemnation. Let's figure out what these are. Let's quickly move to Revelation 20 and let's talk about the first resurrection, the resurrection to life. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 4 and verse 6. Um, and Megan, if we can have you read uh, this about the first resurrection. Okay, I'll be reading the NIV. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations 
any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given an authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. All right. And if you could also read verse 6 for us. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay. Um, and so who is this first resurrection for? The righteous. The righteous. Uh, and, and by that, Jason, if we can simplify that down, what does that mean? People that love Jesus. People, people who love <laughs> Jesus and have believed in him and have accepted him as, yep. as, as Lord yep. of their lives, yep. right? Yep. So those are the people we're talking about. Um, and, and so in this time, um, and we see in verse 4, it says, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witnesses to Jesus, right? People who had given their lives for Jesus. Those are who we see being resurrected in the first um, uh, resurrection. Yep. And then there's a period of time. Right? There's a period of time that's mentioned in there. How many years pass? A thousand years. A thousand years pass, at which point Satan is kind of relegated to earth where nobody else is there. Right? And then we have another resurrection. And so if we can take a look now at verses 5 and 7 through 9. So we're going to reread verse 5 and then we're going to look at 7 through 9. Um, and if we could have uh, Zandile, if you could read that for us. Okay, I'll be reading from the King James Version, uh, Revelation 20 verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Uh, verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations of the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for Baal, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And if you could read verse 9 for us. And they went out over the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And the fire came down from God out of the heaven and devoured them. Thank you very much. So in verse 5, we are talking about the rest of the dead, right? So we already learned that the first resurrection is for those who believed in God, right? right? And then there are the rest. So we're talking about those who did not believe in God. So now, after the thousand years, Satan is released. He is there with the rest of those who did not believe in, in Christ. Um, and then there is another, there's, there's, a, there's a judgment and there is now um, uh, a final death, right? One more death after this second resurrection. And this is a final death. It is an eternal death, right? It is not that they're going to torment and live, die forever in a burning hell, but it is an end, a final death to them. So I've often wondered, Nisha, you know, why God does that, right? Because yes. they're already dead. Yes. So why raise them after the thousand years? And of course, now Satan's loose because he has someone to tempt, right? Because before that, the righteous are caught up to heaven. So there's nobody on the earth except him and his demons. But now he's got someone to tempt. But I think in terms of the great battle between good and evil, the great, what we call the great controversy, we see that those who have rejected God, that they haven't changed. Right. Yeah. So uh, certainly Satan hasn't changed. 
And so they go to try to destroy the heavenly city and the people of God. And in mercy, again, God is love, right? Mm -hmm. Fire comes down out of heaven and, and there's a final end to sin and to rebellion. Yeah. But um, God doesn't want anyone involved with that. He wants them all to be in the first resurrection or to be living and welcome mm -hmm. him with joy when he comes in glory. Yes, and there is, and, and there's certainly in that time as well that, that God is going to show them at some point, both Satan and those who are going to be destroyed will be able to proclaim of, about who God really is in that time. Mm. And God will allow that to happen mm. before their destruction as well, that second time as well, right? Mm. Travis, go ahead. I just want to reiterate what Derek had said because I just believe that's a really important um, uh, um, idea. And it's, it's reiterated from the scriptures because it says that the, the, that the um, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm. It was never, ever God's ideal or idea that any person should ever take place in the fire being devouring the people. He doesn't want anyone there. That's right. Only the devil and his angels that was prepared for. So I think that's a really powerful concept. That's right. He doesn't want anyone there. He wants everyone in the city, in the walls. Yes. And, and you know, Travis, there's, this, there's also this idea. So I was driving uh, home recently. It's a 20-hour drive from where I live to where my parents are. And I was driving, and as I was getting closer and closer to home, um, uh, there were lots of billboards um, about uh, Christianity, faith, and how it was all about condemnation. Mm. And how the, you should be running to God because there is hell and there is condemnation. And I keep thinking, like, I, I keep thinking about John 3, 16 to 17. That says, I did not come to condemn, right? I came to give them eternal life. And, and God is not looking, yes, this, is, this can be scary, right? But that is not what he's looking for you to run to him for. He's not looking for you to be scared into a relationship with him. No. He wants you to accept him freely and to accept the love that he has for you mm. um, and, and not um, worry about the consequences. If we're constantly worried about the consequences, we completely miss the relationship with Christ, mm. right? And he wants us to have that relationship Amen. and just be rejoicing coming into a relationship with him. Megan. Yes. Well, what you're saying is it's it's again, it's not the punishment or consequence that we need to be worried about, but God knows it's coming and he wants us to be safe and wants us to be there. So he's warning us, yes. be prepared, prepare yourselves, it's coming. Yes, and, and throughout the Bible, that is what Christ does. Yes. There's never a destruction that God gives without the warning first to repentance. Exactly. Right? And that is extremely powerful for us to understand. Amen. When we talk about why does God destroy, why does God destroy in the Old Testament, why does this look like such a cruel God? He never brings on destruction without mm. first giving people a choice. Yeah. And, and a and, chance. And a chance. Mm -hmm. That's exactly many, right. Many, many. Right? And so when we talk about the first resurrection, sometimes, and we talk about this question of how can we be certain, I want us to take a look um, at a verse. Uh, and, and this is, let's take a look at 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. Mm. And let's, let's see what this says, um, what promises are given to us. And Jackson, if you could read this for us. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, 1 John chapter 11 to 13. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, 
so that you may know you have eternal life. Amen. Amen. So that you may know Amen. that you have <laughs> eternal life. Yes. Um, and, and so friends, and, and this is, and I really hope that for anyone who is wondering, um, uh, you know, whether, whether or not to accept Christ, I hope you understand that Christ is, is looking and embracing and all He wants is for you to just accept. Amen. Amen. Thank you so Amen. much, Nish. What a great study. Amen. And, uh, you know, I guess that's right. He's appealing to us even today. Maybe that's why you tune into Hope Sabbath School, whether you're on YouTube or the website or using your app or DirecTV, because God wanted to remind you. You say, Derek, I've already accepted and praise God. Thank Him today for the blessed hope you have in Him. But if you have not yet said, Jesus, will you save me? I want to appeal to you to do so today Amen. because there is a time when it will be too late. Today is the day of salvation. And that blessed hope that was even through the Old Testament, we'll study about in the New Testament as well, can be your hope even today through Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for these encouraging studies. We thank you for faithful men and women of God, even through the Old Testament scriptures who who chose to believe your promises and trust in the gift of eternal life that would come, even when they were looking by faith, had not yet seen the Savior come. I pray that we would look in faith today to the Savior who has already come and would have the assurance of salvation through Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. If you've made that decision, just praise Jesus today that he is your all-sufficient Savior and soon-coming King. And then go out and be a blessing to those around you.